All right. Good morning, everybody. Hey, do me a favor. Give, give a hand to, to Chase. That was his first time in sin. I think he did a good job. Ask him sometime how much that tattoo he got right on his Adam's apple hurt him. I'm, he's a tough guy. I promise he cried a little bit on that one. Well, it's good to be back. Good to be back. Uh, we, we just got back from our trip to Israel. We were in Israel for 10 days uh, this last week. And, uh, man, amazing trip. I will say it was not like one of those restful vacations, per se. I mean, it was packed. Sun up to sundown. Uh, from 6 in the morning till 8 o'clock at night, we were on buses and going and seeing stuff and just packing stuff in and uh, learning a lot, learning a lot. And uh, it was amazing. Uh, I'd say the most difficult thing about the whole trip is the majority of the country is kosher, <laughs> which means they don't eat a lot of meat and they don't eat any pork. How many of y'all are thankful that whom the sun sets free is free indeed? Amen. Come on now. Woo! They are missing out. That's all I got to say. They are missing out. It is Thanksgiving week, which means this is like the pregame pep talk for a lot of you because you got family coming in this week. And it is time to gear up emotionally, physically, spiritually for that experience. How many of you guys got family coming in for the week? This is what that just looked like. (laughs) I'm glad you're excited about that. We are continuing our Garwell series. And if you happen to miss last week, I highly recommend um, that you check that message out. Uh, Either Pastor Harry's message on our podcast, or you can definitely catch uh, Pastor Rick on the main website as well. Uh, It was an amazing message. We talked a lot about just missions and uh, and adoption and foster care, and I'm excited about uh, how we're going to engage with that mission and with that vision here at our our campus and excited about that. This week, we're going to talk about guarding our hearts, the guardrails of our hearts. And uh, it says in Proverbs 4.23, and this is King Psalm, it says, Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. I mean, that, if there is a verse that promotes having guardrails in your life, it's definitely this verse. But specifically the heart, man, it says everything, everything in your life is going to come out of your heart. And so if everything in your life is coming out of your heart, it's pretty important that your heart has the right kind of wisdom and guards around it. And that's what I want to talk about today. I believe that if we don't have some things in place, In our lives, around our hearts, man, it's going to create a lot of heartache. It's going to create a lot of of difficult seasons in our life. Unfortunately, we live in a day and age that the guards of our heart are under constant attack just daily. Uh, There's a couple specific things I think are, are an attack on the guards of our heart. I think just the pace of life is one of the guards or the attacks on the guard of our life. I mean, if you think about it, none of us are intending to, to be in, in a bad place in our relationship with God or a bad place in, in how we're living life. But the truth is just this, that we get so busy that we don't have time to meditate on the word of God. Guard down. We, don't, we, we, we sometimes don't have time or don't make time to fellowship with other believers. Guard down. 
We don't make time to just sit and be still and know that he's God and spend time conversating with him, guard down. And I think that's a major area. We're busy people. And and because of that busy pace of life, I think that there's a lot of guards. I think instant access to everything we want is another reason why our guards are under attack with our hearts. I mean, we live in a culture where whatever we want, we can get it and we can get it really quick. And we don't even have to leave our house anymore to do it. Now, how many of y'all are thankful for some Amazon Prime? Come on now. Come on. There's nothing like, there's nothing like getting those boxes on your front doorstep. I saw a great idea this last week, though. Um, if there's any junk in your house that you don't want, if there's anything in your house you don't want, you find one of those big Amazon Prime boxes and you put everything in there and just leave it out on your patio. Because, you know, people have been stealing those boxes lately. <laughs> I mean, what would you give to be able to see their faces when they open one of those boxes? Just stick like a dirty diaper in there just for good measure, you know, something like that. Ecclesiastes 5, the first part of verse 2 says this, Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty with your heart. The speed in which we live life and the speed in which we communicate to people, I think, has caused us to really lower the guards of our heart. I'm really, really thankful that Facebook did not exist when I was 15 years old. (laughs) Because I would have been an absolute idiot. Because I, I, I mean, and so you can imagine, you can imagine what, what this generation is growing up in now. And how easily it is to just let everybody know everything that you think, everything that's going on in your life. But the second part of verse 2 in Ecclesiastes chapter 5 says this, God is in heaven, you're on earth, so let your words be few. But the problem is we're moving so fast, we don't see God's perspective anymore. It's easy for us to miss that. Please, As your pastor, I'm just asking that you would strongly consider the hasty words that you communicate. Because words that are spoken hastily and heard hastily are hurting your heart. They're hurting other people's hearts. Our culture says, look, if you feel something, then it must be true. But feelings lie to you. They always have. These things are deteriorating the guardrails that God desires for us to walk in the life that he has for us. So we're going to look at a couple ways that we can build up the guardrails of our hearts today. When we went to Israel, uh, it was interesting, you know, uh, several of you have asked me this morning, it's like, were you guys anywhere near where all the rocket attacks and all that was? That was all in the southern part of the country in the Gaza Strip, and we never went that far south. And, and for the most part, we felt very secure and very safe the whole time that we were there. And so there's some major misconceptions about traveling to there. I, I promise you this. 
Israel is one of the safest places on the planet. Like, it is way safer than North Little Rock or, <laughs> I'm just telling you, uh, it, it's a safe place. But, but it, what was a, what, one of the reasons why it is so safe is because they have so many security measures set up. And, and I could talk a lot about the borders and all that kind of stuff, but some of y'all would take that political, so I'm going to stay away from that. But let's just talk about airport security, okay? At one point, going through the airport security, we went through six different measures of security, like six different times that we, we had some sort of, and it wasn't even because Cody looked suspicious. I think it was just like, like they always have it set up that way because you all know she looks pretty sketchy if you know what I mean. Like, when I know most of us, she got something. Mm-hmm. And she will, she'll, she'll do something to you. But, but, but what was, was amazing to see was just how intentional they were with keeping that small country secure, and it's for good reason. If you ever look at a globe and then you look at the landmass that is Israel, and then you, you, you start drawing a thousand mile radius around that, the millions of people that hate them and would love to see them get wiped off the face of the planet then you understand just why they are so focused on being secure and setting up guardrails. One of our our guides, when, when we were on the trip, he said that the land itself is like a fifth gospel. And, and I could see that being so true in so many different ways. I mean, just the metaphor of the land and what it means for our own personal faith. And I think it, it also correlates to talking about how are you securing the most important thing in your life from all the forces of hell. Because the enemy is dead set on destroying your heart. Because if he can destroy your heart, the rest of your life goes with it. And so we don't know how many demons there are, and I'm not saying everything's a demon. So some of y'all are super spiritual. You need to chill out because not everything is a demon. Just because you didn't get the parking spot you wanted at, at Walmart, that's not the devil, okay? You need to walk a little further anyway. It's okay. But, but Satan hates you. There's a small part of you that carries a significant amount of value. And I think that in the same respect that any nation that is worth its salt has guards and security and processes of allowing things in and out, doesn't it make sense that our hearts should have the same thing? So single ladies and men in the house, the next time that sweet, fine thing comes walking into your life, you better be asking for some credentials before you let them on in. You need to be checking that spiritually, they've got the right passport before you let them into your life and into your heart because they can do some damage. They can do some damage. So what's at stake here? What's the opposite of a guarded heart, an unguarded heart? That's bad. Anything can come in or anything can go out. Any thought, feeling, or image, or sound has free reign to come in and go as it pleases. How dangerous is that? 
So the first thing I think we need to do is we need to guard our heart with holiness. Now, I know how churchy that sounds. So before you just check out on me, like, oh, guard your heart with holiness. Alliteration, heart holiness. It's way more than that. Because what am I saying? I'm saying, look, we need to just do what the word of God tells us to do. What did David do? In Psalm 51, 10, it says this, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a loyal spirit within me. Man, that is so powerful right there. Because he's recognizing that if there's an area of his life where he is not completely committed and loyal to the things of God, it's the area where he let his heart be susceptible to something that wasn't God's will. God, make me loyal again. How? By creating a clean heart inside of me. So a heart guarded by holiness, man, what is, it, does it just listen to anything? No, it doesn't. Church, there are some shows, movies, that I really like, that I have to stop watching. I, I, I'm a big movie buff. Like, I love watching movies. How many guys like watching a good movie, all right? But here's the deal. Should we watch them without any kind of filter, without any kind of guard? What are we ultimately opening ourselves up to in our lives? Sometimes they'll just start throwing nudity and sex in there randomly. I mean, that's huge. Like, you didn't intend. I mean, most of us were not, some of us may struggle with this. Maybe a lot of us struggle with this. But when you go to a movie at a theater, you're not going thinking, man, I hope there's a really good sex scene in this. You're probably not thinking that. But there's a really good chance that if you're just watching anything and everything without reading up on it, without putting any kind of guardrail up, without thinking about it before you go, there's a good chance they're going to throw something in there. Sometimes they're just throwing curse words. Look, the F-bomb every 10 seconds is not going to be good for your heart. It's not good for your heart. Sometimes it's just crude and degrading stuff. So you may have issue with your words. It's probably not a good idea for you to be watching a bunch of stuff that has a lot of cursing and language that isn't edifying, glorifying. Maybe it's your thought life and purity. And if you struggle with lust, or if you used to struggle with lust, you need to consider the guardrail of holiness in your life. And around your heart. What about just coarse joking? Now I'm just telling you, sometimes a good laugh is not worth, worth what it's doing to your heart. It's not worth what it's doing to the Spirit of God. I'm convicted about this stuff. Maybe you have an issue with anger. Well, you probably need to chill out on the war movies. You probably need to chill out on things that are just showing a lot of anger and aggression and violence. Maybe you have a problem with fear. I think one of the major instruments the enemy is using these days is by desensitizing us with all these horror movies. It's like, man, if we can, if in Hollywood, look, I'm just telling you, like the Hollywood is a puppet of the devils in so many cases, in so many different ways. And I know I may sound like an old school preacher right now, and I'm, I'm not. But you can just see this thing, man. I, I, I see so many young people and, and, and parents that will take their kids to horror movies 
where there's just these demonic things happening. And so we like, we like that chemical that's released in us. We like the adrenaline that's released in us. And so we become addicted to those things, but you don't understand the doorway that you could be opening in your life or your kids' lives by watching that stuff and ultimately just desensitizing them so that when the real spiritual attack comes, look, the enemy will always come in with a whisper and leave with a scream. And so if, you, if you're not aware of the guardrails that you need to have in your life, he'll just sneak right in. The next thing you know, you're going to be struggling in a major way in your life. How about music? The things that we listen to, the things that we go to on the internet. What about what, what we look at on social media? Look, some of you think you're on this this holy crusade to change the world on your social media account. In reality, all you are doing is opening yourself up and your guardrails are down. And so it is causing anger and bitterness in your life. And that is not God's will for you. That's not what he has for you. I promise you that is not the mission that he has given you. Now, I, I do want to say this. Before anybody goes and takes a baseball bat to your computer or, or starts burning your CDs circa 1990 Southern Baptist style, you know you know what I'm talking about. How many of y'all went to a CD burning service? Just me? Come on, raise your hand if you ever burned a CD before at a youth camp or something, all right? God, I loved Creed, but they were like, nope. Can you take me higher? It's the devil. I'm like, it's talking about heaven, right? Still regret burning that CD. I'm just asking you to use the wisdom and listen to the convictions that God has given you. Just listen to the convictions that God has given you. And look, not all of us are in the same place in conviction. Not all of us have the same convictions on everything. Please don't project your convictions on other people. That's not your business. Your business is to be obedient to the conviction God has given you. So just do that. For example, how many of you guys like Lord of the Rings? Anybody like Lord of the Rings in here? Okay, a few cool people. Uh, but Lord, Lord of the Rings, like some people will not watch that because it's got magic and magicians in it. So even though it was written by a Christian, it, it's got some of those elements in it. So people are like, no, I'm not going to have that. You know what? I can respect that. That is your conviction. It's not a conviction that I necessarily share. But what I have learned, especially as a pastor, is I'm not always going to have the same convictions as other people. But what I have learned is something that that may not be a big issue for me and a struggle for me could be a major struggle and issue for someone else. Could cause a world of sin in someone else's life. And so I'm really careful with the example that I lead, the decisions that I make. Philippians 4.8, this is a great measuring stick of how we should live. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. 
I happen to think sometimes when Jason Bourne is dominating some terrorists that that's a pretty holy thing, you know. That's my personal conviction on that. But constant profanity? It's hard to argue that that is praiseworthy. Nudity? that can just tempt us to objectify someone who is created in the image of God, who is a son or daughter of the King of Kings. It's hard to argue that that's honorable and pure. Something that drives us to angry, to being angry, that's, that's not really praiseworthy. You ever seen somebody try to praise angry? Mm. Doesn't some of y'all look like that when you're praising God? But I don't think you're angry, you're just passionate. We should guard our thoughts too. Some of the darkest things that we have going through us are just our thoughts and daydreams. Um, ever been really, really angry at someone? Like with road rage? Somebody you don't even know. There's something tick you off. All of a sudden, you're running some things through your mind. That if everybody can know what you were thinking about, they'd put you in a insane asylum. So sometimes it's the thoughts, subconscious, that we put in there that the enemy introduces or that we just let ourselves dwell on. We need a guard. We need a guard. We need guardrails of holiness that cover our self-generated and enemy-generated thoughts. The problem comes not when we have an issue with a thought. It's when we dwell on them. I just want to let you know, we all struggle in our thoughts. We all struggle in our thoughts. There's not one person that doesn't struggle in, in their thoughts. The issue is not having a thought that's not of God. The issue is when you dwell on it. Because when you begin to dwell on it, then they become permanent triggers that can create addictions in your thoughts. It will be a process and a thought process that you are now captivated by. Matthew 5 eight says this, God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. So why do we have guardrails of holiness around our hearts so that we can see God? Do you think that God is hiding from you? Well, let's go to the first precedence. In the Garden of Eden, with Adam and Eve, when they sinned, who hid from who? I'm pretty sure Adam and Eve were hiding from God. God came looking for Adam and Eve. And so you need to know that God is always there looking for you. But your sin and your shame and your condemnation because of your sin and your shame will open the door for the the enemy to lie to you to make you believe that God is hiding from you. But a guardrail will keep things clear. 
and help you to see that even when you make mistakes, God is still there and wants to forgive you, wants to show you grace. Because a heart unguarded is clouded. It can no longer sense and see a Savior that is searching for you. So I want to give you a couple practical things with that. You need to find someone. You need to find one person in your life that knows what the guardrails of holiness are and holds you accountable to them. You need to have somebody in your life that will ask you the difficult questions about the potential areas of struggle in your life. And we've talked about this before. This is, this, you find these people in life groups. You find them in smaller settings. You're not gonna, you, I promise you're not going to be able to walk in this room and just be like, all right, let's see here. I'm going to pick somebody today to be my accountability person. You can try that, but you're, you'd be an idiot doing it that way. But it happens through building relationships with people. That's the reason why we have life groups. It's the reason why we have serve group. It's the reason why we have smaller groups of people that meet together so you can get to know people. But here's the thing. When you get into that relationship, when you find that person that you can trust, and this is someone that's even outside of your marriage, if you're married, this is, this is someone of the same sex <laughs> that you can go to that knows you, knows your struggles, and can ask you the difficult questions. Because here's the deal. If they're not going to ask the hard questions, this really doesn't matter. But if you're not going to give the hard answer, it doesn't really matter. Because somebody could ask you the hard question, you'd be like, man, yeah, I have thoughts. Many of them, some of them I struggle with. You're not helping yourself. You're not helping anybody. So find a person. Find a person. Find accountability. Let somebody know what your guardrails of holiness are around your heart. Number two, guard your heart with hope. Hope is one of the greatest things that we have. And we have the greatest hope of all, and that is in Jesus. But this is one, and that's one of the reasons why this is one of the areas that the enemy loves to attack the most. He loves to attack your hope. And he can take advantage of an unguarded heart that has no hope. When we were in Israel, our guide, one of our guides, he had been guiding for about 40 years. He is one of the most knowledgeable people I've ever met in my life. Uh, He knows more of the Bible than I do. And he knows more about every other religion than I do. Uh, He spoke for eight hours a day on everything that he knows. And he is not a believer. Not a believer. He has no faith. And he was one of the crankiest. You could just tell that he had no joy. He had some some pride because of his knowledge. There's a verse that says that knowledge puffs up. And, And... He reminded me of that verse. There's another another verse that said they had eyes, but they could not see, but they had ears and could not hear. And that was this man. But what I noticed is in this holy land, there's a lot of dead people walking around. A lot of dead people walking around. Because the truth is, when you don't have the hope of Jesus, you are dead. You have no hope. 
You have no joy. You have no peace. You can soothe that part of you that God created that can only be filled by him by doing religious acts. And by the way, you don't have to be in the Holy Land to struggle with that. You live in the Bible Belt. You got enough issues on your own. Hope is one of the things that guards your heart, that reminds you of God's goodness, reminds you of who he is. What does a heart unguarded by hope look like? Depressed, full of doubt, angry, bitter, vengeful, jaded, certainly pessimistic. And all of us have been in a place where our hope was low, even as a believer, where you started demonstrating some of these characteristics. When hope leaves, we quickly fall into these types of traps, and that's exactly what they are. They're traps. They, they, they'll hold on to you. They'll keep you. So a while back, I shared, I was just in a little bit of a funk. I was in a little bit of a rut, just around a lot of different areas of my life, quite honestly. I, I, I was in a place where I just felt like I was in a routine, and, and I was doing good things. I was doing ministry. I didn't have any major struggles in my life. It wasn't, it wasn't a sin issue or anything like that. I was just kind of getting discouraged. And, and I started just thinking about, like, what does my day look like every day? And I was like, well, I wake up in the morning, you know, 6, 6.30, kids, get them off to school. And then I go and I, my day is filled with lots of different things and meetings and appointments. And, and then I come home and eat dinner and I hang out with the kids and, it's about 7.30, and then they go to bed. And that's my day. How many of y'all know that sometimes when you have little kids and you're hanging out with kids, it's about as relaxing as trying to solve quadratic equations. Like, it's, it's not like... Some of y'all, you're like super parents, and it recharges you. I love just hanging out with them and playing with them. You're awesome. We're just not like you. I don't want you to get me wrong. I love my kids. I love my family. But what happened was, I'd allowed the guardrails of hope down a little bit. And I started letting a false reality develop into a temporary reality where I just didn't have a lot of hope. Got a little jaded, pessimistic. Got angry a little easier. A little bitter towards a few things, towards a few people. But I'm thankful that I did have some guardrails and God got my attention quick. He reminded me quickly, James, have hope. This is a season This is a season. This isn't the rest of your life. This is a season. James, take some hope and ask for some help. Call some friends. Call some people that can remind me, encourage me, challenge me. 
James, have hope because I can give you supernatural energy. I am not surprised at the season that you are in. This has not caught God off guard. He's already given you everything you need to not just make it, but be more than an overcomer. But when you're living in a heart unguarded by hope, you just kind of let stuff fester until it becomes your reality. So I think it's important for you to find some scripture to correspond with the area of your heart that is under attack with hopelessness. So I'm going to give you a couple. If you struggle with worry, here's a great verse. Philippians. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all that He has done. Then you will be able to experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Maybe you struggle with depression and discouragement. Psalm 40, verse 1 through 3. There's so many other verses in Psalms. Look, if there's one person that could have struggled with depression, I promise you it was David. And over and over again, he gives us verses like this. I waited patiently for the Lord to help me, and he turned to me and heard my cry, and he lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and out of the mire, and he set my feet on solid ground, and he steadied me as I walked along. He has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what he has done and be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. Maybe it's about your future in Jeremiah 29, 11. God declares, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. There are plans to give you, plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a hope and a future. Jeremiah 29, 13 says this, if you look for me wholeheartedly, then you will find me. Take back your heart and don't give an inch back to hopelessness. Take it back with scripture. Take it back with truth. Number three, guard your heart with humility. A lot of people have a misconception about humility because humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's just thinking about yourself less. meaning you think about other people more. If you want to be guarded with humility, the best way for you to measure humility in your life is your willingness to pour out. It's your willingness to serve other people. The word says that Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve and to be a ransom. How many of you would agree that Jesus was pretty humble? Okay, eight people think that Jesus was humble, so... That gives me an idea for our next series. Clearly, we have some work to do. Some of y'all won't raise your hand in church no matter what. It's all right. Jesus was humble. Very humble. The most humble. What did he do? He served. It was never about him. So one of the cool, this, this, geological phenomenons is the Dead Sea. It's the lowest place on earth. The lowest place on earth. 
And, uh, and so while we were there, we got to go to the headwaters of the Jordan where the, the Jordan River starts. Man, this clear, crisp water. And uh, they actually have these trout hatcheries all over the place because the water is like perfect for trout. Maybe you want to fly fish a little bit. And, but, but then we got to see how the Jordan River flows down in the Sea of Galilee and went around that. And the Sea of Galilee is teeming with life, all these different kinds of fish to this day. It is producing fish like there's no tomorrow, just this abundant harvest. And then the Jordan River flows out of the Sea of Galilee and it flows down into this deep valley and into the Dead Sea. And so we went to the Dead Sea, and, and the, the average ocean is about 3% salt. The Dead Sea is 33% salt. So the mineral content is so thick in the water that when you get out into the water, you don't sink. You have complete buoyancy. I've never experienced that before in my life. Like any water I get into, I sink like a rock. And I got out in it, and you can just sit there. Like, you don't, you don't tread water, you just sit there. It was pretty entertaining watching some people try to get themselves out of the water and just kind of flailing around. But it's because it's so thick with salt and minerals. Why? Because it has no outlet. So everything flows into it, and nothing flows out of it. If you are sensing that there is a lack of life in your heart, it's because there's no outlet. It's because you're constantly being poured into and never pouring out of. And because that is happening, (laughs) you're experiencing death. Because when one body of water can pour into another body of water, it always facilitates life. But if you're being poured into and you don't have a place in your life that you're pouring out into someone else and you're serving someone, you're not experiencing humility and you're ultimately facilitating death in your heart. Because you've got to have an outlet. You've got to have a something that God can pour into you and then you can pour out of because this is the other thing. They're in a drought right now, and I think a lot of the reason why they're in a drought is because at one point or another, when they let all these other influences in, they stop pouring out the goodness of God as a nation. And this is what can happen. If you get to a place where you don't let God pour into you and then you pour out at one point or another, he'll just stop pouring in. He'll just stop pouring in. And so we've got to have these places So here's some good questions to ask your heart. Are you pouring out? Are you giving back? Are you seeing the needs around you? Are you hearing the needs around you? And are you responding to those needs? Are you pouring out? This guard of humility will help prevent things from entering into your life, but also help you dictate what needs to flow out of your life. Because a guard doesn't just dictate not letting someone in, it also dictates who gets to leave. And you have to have this guard of humility. The encouraging thing is this, when Jesus gave the Great Commission, it also came with a promise, and that is that if you will do the Great Commission, which is all about pouring out, that he would be with you. He'll be with you. He'll help you. He'll give you everything you need as you pour out. I've had some bad days, 
Um, Not more than anyone else. I'm not saying that my bad days are any worse or any better than anyone else's days. But this is what I know works for any bad day. Is when you start looking at other people's needs. And when I'm in in that funk of of having a bad day. The moment I start texting someone that I just hadn't texted in a while. Reaching out to somebody that I hadn't reached out to in a while. It changes everything. I start feeling life flowing through me again. And the truth is, most of the time, it's probably going to help me more than it helps them. But it's still worth doing. I think the holiday season is a good time to remember that. A lot of us were excited about holiday season, but I, I do know this, the holiday season, especially in our culture, becomes a pretty selfish experience. Uh, it becomes a lot about what we're accomplishing, what we're doing, and who we're hosting, and You know, there's people that have lost loved ones and the holidays stink for them. It's a constant reminder of of pain and loss. Maybe you have someone in your life that you know that has lost someone. Well, guess what? Especially if they lost them this last year, there's a a whole litany of first times that they're going to have to walk through. And the first time that they experience a holiday without that loved one, I want to tell you that it's painful. Maybe you just need to text that person, reach out to them, encourage them. I promise you, if you will find a place of outlet in your life. We still have a couple things, servings, opportunity this next week. Maybe you weren't planning on it, but maybe you need to because your heart's a dead sea. Maybe you need an outlet to let God pour through you and out of you. Text someone that you haven't spoke to in a while. Be the first one to forgive. Man, you want to talk about something that will break open the dams of your heart. Forgive somebody that doesn't deserve it. Psalms 26, 2 says this. Put me on trial, Lord, and cross-examine me. Test my motives and my heart. I think this is a great prayer for us to wake up with every day. Like, God, just... I want to be on trial. I want to be cross-examined a little bit, and I want you to test my motives of what I'm going to do today. Test my heart. Look at my heart. Do I have the right guardrails? Do I have a guardrail of holiness? Is my hope fortified in the truth of the Word of God? And am I pouring out and demonstrating the heart of humility to other people around me? Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. I want to pray for you. If you know that you've just been in a place where you struggled with some of your holiness, you, you know that you've allowed some things into your life and your guardrail of holiness has been down. If that's you, nobody looking around. If that's you, just slip your hand. And right now, I want to pray for you. Okay, thank you guys. Thanks for being bold. A lot of hands. God, thank you for this word today. We thank you for the gentleness of your Holy Spirit and how it brings conviction. And Lord, every one of these people were never meant to be defined by by some of the decisions that they've made that have made their hearts vulnerable. I thank you, God, that you've already given them the truth. You've already given them what they need to, to build up their heart again, to bring that guardrail of holiness around them. And I pray, God, that you would just help them to find that person that can encourage them, challenge them, that they can be completely honest with and know that they're not going to be judged, but know that they're going to be encouraged. 
I thank you for those people. If you know that your hope has just dropped, that you're walking in a place of discouragement and despair right now because you have forgotten God's promises and your hope is low. If that's you, put your hand up right now. I just know my hope's low. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little hopeless right now. Right now in the name of Jesus, I just speak encouragement by the spirit of the living God. And I bind and rebuke every lie of the enemy that would come and convince any of these people that somehow they're the exception to your grace and your love and the truth of your word. And I pray once again, God, that even this morning as a catalyst, as they've heard your word, that would remind them again of your truth. It would remind them again, God, that you do love them, that you have a plan for them, that you haven't abandoned them. Let their hope be strengthened again. And if you're in this place today and, and, and you know that you've just gotten to a place where you've been kind of selfish and, and you haven't really been thinking about the Great Commission, you haven't been thinking about other people or, or God's plan or God's purpose or even God's kingdom, you've just kind of, you've kind of bottled up. If that's you, go ahead and put your hand up right now. You just know you've been in a place, you've been a, a little bottled up and a little selfish. Father God, I thank you for the humility of these people. I thank you, God, that they're just admitting, Lord, I've been in a place where I've been really focused on on me and even my needs and even my problems, God. And right now, I, I just, God, I'll pray that you would bring streams of living water back into me and give me a place to pour out. Let me to see individual opportunities, God. Let me find a place within your body. Let me find a place within your kingdom that I can use the gifts and the talents that you've given me and to pour out. Thank you for that, Lord. If you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, or you've been in a place where you've been away from him, God never left you, but maybe you walked away from him at one point or another, and today you know that you need to come back to him. If you're either one of those people, you need to surrender your life to Jesus or you need to rededicate your life to him. No one looking around. That's you. Put your hand up right now. Be bold about this. Be strong about this. Let me pray with you. I got it. Thanks, man. As soon as I see you, you put your hand down. Anybody else? I need to make a commitment to Jesus today. God, thanks, man. Anybody else? Got it. Anybody else? I need to make Jesus my Lord and Savior. I need to come back to him today. Anybody else? Father God, I thank you for those few hands that were raised. And if you're, you're in that place, you just be honest with God. Just say, God, here's my life. I know that I'm a sinner. I can't save myself. I know that I need you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Right now, I, I ask for your forgiveness and I, and I, re, I repent. I want to stop living the way I've been living. I want to live according to your plan and your purpose. God, help me to understand what that is. Help me to grow in a, in a personal revelation of your word. Help me to walk the way you want me to walk. Thank you for saving me today. Thank you for giving me a new life in you. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for everything that you've given us that guards our hearts that helps us know when to open them up and when to shut them. God, I pray that we would be a people that walk in wisdom. We'd never walk in fear. We'd never walk in a spirit of religion, but we'd always walk in a place of wisdom and love and grace and the fruit of your spirit. We thank you for that.
In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We had three people raise their hand to give their life to Jesus. Let's give God some praise for that.